All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Another beautiful day outside, another beautiful morning to gather and convene with our Lord, right? Get into His Word. Um, today we were we are going to start the book of James. So if you guys want to get there a while, um, as you've noticed, I'm not Pastor Matt. <laughs> um, Pastor Matt and family are on a well-deserved vacation, right? Pouring out his heart and soul um, continuously. Uh, it, it's, it's, we're blessed to have him not go away, but we're blessed to have him take this time and just relax, right? So let's keep him in prayers. Let's keep him and Lisa and the boys in prayer um, for travels, for honestly just peace and quiet. Um, you know, it's such a busy world. We're so, we're so crazy um, going to and fro, right, as the Bible would tell us, that um, it's nice just to, it's, it's nice just to find that mountaintop, right? Jesus got away, <laughs> and um, it, it does us good to get away, too. So keep them in prayer. Um, once again, we'll be in the book of James. We'll be uh, starting that today. So let's, uh, let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for this um, time that we can come and gather. Lord, we thank you for the book of James, the word that you've given us, inspired um, for James to write down that we could, that we could, um, that we could learn from today. Lord, to let, it, let our hearts and our ears and our minds be open to whatever you would have for us. Uh, individually, that, Lord, we can, um, that we can uh, uh, leave a bit of us behind, Lord, that we can walk out of here shining more of you, that you be glorified in what we do. Um, God, we pray for the Vanderven family, Lord. We pray for Pastor Matt and Lisa and the boys, um, that they have safe travels wherever that may take them, Lord. We pray that, um, that they find rest. Lord, um, I, I know that I know that they're meeting with you, <laughs> and, I, and I pray that that's such a sweet time with the family as, as there's, the, that there's time away, Lord, but it, uh, certainly with you. So we just pray for them, God. Just be with them and, and, and give them peace. But be with us here as well as we get into your word, Lord, uh, once again, that we be that we be mindful of ourselves, that these words speak to us, and um, and we be changed. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So the book of James. Um, when I was asked throughout the week what book we were going to be in, I said the book of James, obviously, because that's where we are. And a lot of people said, well, that's my favorite book. And it is until we get to verse 2 a lot of times. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it is, it's such, a, it's such an awesome book that the Lord has given us. Um, you know, James, first of all, the brother of Jesus, Right? There's a, there's a bunch of James listed in the Bible. We, we, can, we can be assured that this is the brother of Jesus, uh, 
the the James that grew up with him, the James that um, walked beside him, the James that um, didn't believe, that didn't believe in 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 Jesus's proclamations and Jesus' teaching. Um, he just simply didn't believe, um, as as did Jesus' other brothers and sisters. Like they didn't believe as well. Um, you know, we go to Mark six. And we can see that that's written in our account. You know, the header here is Jesus rejected at Nazareth. And in in chapter 6, it says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? So their minds were blown, right? They, they knew he had something, right? Where did he get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. It always amazes me in the beginning how they were astounded. And then we end that paragraph with they were offended. But here we have listed um, Jesus' brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and, his, and it proclaims here that his sisters were there as well. So there's at least two sisters, right? So five boys, two girls, mom and dad, seven in a household. And we learned by earlier accounts that Mary and Joseph weren't well-off people, right? So I'm sure it was a very tight household. Um, and James, as well as the other brothers and sisters, grew up very very intimately with Jesus because I'm sure they were rubbing elbows every day, day in and day out. But he didn't believe. Now, some religions will say that, as it is listed here, uh, the brothers and the sisters that they're talking about are are really Jesus' cousins or they're really um, Joseph's kids from another marriage. Um, I just want us to put that the rest that my Bible says brothers and sisters. So they were truly his brothers and sisters, right? Um, some people will argue that point. But um, it's listed here that, that James was certainly one of his brothers. James also had a couple nicknames that tradition would have for us. One of them was James the Just, as he, um, as he led the church in Jerusalem. And the other was Camel Knees. Um, Camel Knees almost sounds like a derogatory name, but, but he earned that name. He earned that name, as tradition also tells us, that he spent a lot of time in prayer. 
And in prayer, he spent a lot of time on his knees, so much so that they became callous. Some, some accounts say that he couldn't even straighten out his legs, that whenever, whenever he passed away, that even the people preparing the body couldn't straighten out his legs because his knees were so worn. Um, what a testament, right? A testament to go from somebody who didn't believe to a person so dedicated that he would wear out his knees in prayer. Right, and I often think as the head of the church in Jerusalem, like what were what were James's prayers like? Like how amazing is that? We know how much time he spent there. Um, but what were they like for his people, for himself? Right? Because he grew up with Jesus as an unbeliever. Did he carry some of that with him? Um, I don't know. But I know that that he spent a lot of time there. If we go to John, let's go to John 7. Now here we see the account in our Bibles where Jesus... um, he walked in Galilee because he, he feared that the Jews were going to try and kill him. And his brothers, in verse 3, it says, His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. They were taunting him there. They were saying, okay, look, if you're this big shot, then go show everybody. Go do it. Just go do it. Right? Because they didn't believe. They didn't believe. But at one point, actually, let's go there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. You know, we now have we now have the risen Christ. And he's making himself known. Right? And Paul's writing to the church of Corinth and he says, starting once again in verse three, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. And he rose again in the third he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. I like that because he says, you know what? He was seen by five hundred. A lot of them are still alive. Go check it out for yourself, right? Go ask them. After that, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles, then last of all, seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. You know, I love this because it points out here that after the resurrection, 
He made a personal appearance. A personal appearance to James. I, I love this passage here because he does, he points it out for Peter, for James, for Paul. Right? All these personal appearances of these men who are just vehemently changed. But James is listed here as one of those men that were changed. And um, if we go to Galatians one nineteen, we see where Paul Paul heads back to Jerusalem, right? And he says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. You know, Paul Paul is seeing what was done in James's life, right? James sees what's done in Paul's life. As we look through this book of James, we're going to have over 50 directives, if you will, 50 commands, if you will. But this is not a book about works. This is not a book about laws. This is not a checklist of, of, of things that we need to go through every day. This is, this is a sieve that we should be running our lives through. You know, what, what James is saying here is that this is what it looks like, right? This is written to believers. This isn't, there's, there's, there's no doctrine in here. They're not, he's not bringing people to Christ. But he is saying merely, once you have come, this is what it should look like. Right, James became the first, he became the pastor of the, the, the first church in Jerusalem, which I'm sure was a very tough crowd. Um, as we learn later on, whenever he's martyred, um, they didn't take too kindly to, uh, to what he was doing there. But he's the pastor. From unbeliever, Mocking brother to pastor. You know, eventually he gets thrown off of the tower, the temple tower, because he's asked to deny Christ. Some would say he's been a pastor now in Jerusalem for 30 years at that point. So 30 years later, um, they asked him to deny Christ and they threw him off the tower. Tradition tells us that he didn't die by being thrown off the tower, that some folks say he was stoned to death then afterwards. Some people say he was beaten to death with clubs. Um, Regardless of whichever way, it's not good. But we will see, we, we will hear of James at the time of his death, much like Stephen, praying for his oppressors. That's what a changed life looks like, right? That is what a changed life looks like. When Stephen is being stoned, 
and he's praying for those people, of which one of those people was Saul of Tarsus, right? So we can say Stephen's final prayers were heard and they were answered, right? James praying for the people that persecuted him. Jesus, right? Praying for the people that put him on the cross. James is saying this is what a sold-out person for Christ looks like. If you're here today and you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus or to make him your Savior and your Lord, then, then I would encourage you to talk to somebody afterwards. Talk to one of us pastors. Talk to a, one of the elders. Um, um, quite honestly, grab somebody by the hand. Um, if you're listening to this or watching this, the same. Please call us. Because this book is for believers. And this is what we should look like once we start walking with him. You know, once again, it was written, it was written early, early church. We're going to see that early on whenever we get into this chapter. Um, these, are the first, these are the first Jewish Christians. Right? This wasn't written to the Gentile nation that was um, that was being sought after. You know, Paul and Peter and those guys, they were out there with the Gentiles. Paul or James is writing this to the Jewish believers. Right? The Jewish believers who are now who are now being persecuted. Because they're the they're the they're the guys turning away, right? There's they're turning to this better thing. We're not exactly sure when this book was written. It's somewhere between 45 and 50. I personally think it was more towards 45. But um, regardless in that time frame, that puts it as, as most likely the earliest New Testament book written. Um, I hope we understand that our Bibles aren't chronological. Um, and I know James is, is um, in the back part of your New Testament. But... Um, but in reality, if it was chronological, this would, this would be the first book in the New Testament. This would, be, um, this would be one of the earliest contributions. Some say it contradicts Paul's writing. Um, we have a lot of Paul's writing in our New Testament, right? But it doesn't contradict. It just merely is talking to a different audience in a different way. Um, we know James and Paul... Uh, worked well together, and and Paul even sought James's counsel at some point. You know, the book is the this book of James is once again we gotta uh, we'll, we'll probably have to state this over and over because I want to make the point very clear that that this is not a to do list, right? This isn't how do I look like a Christian or Christianity. You know how to how to how to be the best Christian, right? This is this is for us, and this is for for individual. You know, in, for us individually. It's written to the early church because these guys are being oppressed, right? This is the these are the new believers, right? This is they're seeing oppression from from the outside. They're seeing oppression from the inside, and James is hitting all this head on. Right, we uh, James is really kind of a just a punch in the gut, 
where he says, hey, pull up your bootstraps because this is what it looks like, right? Um, you know, the early Jewish believers, they're, they're, fading, they're facing external persecution like, you know, the government, the Pharisees, uh, landowners uh, that were abusing them. A lot of these guys or folks, a lot of these folks had businesses, but now they choose to follow Christ. So the Jewish folks aren't doing business with them. Their businesses are closing down. They're losing stuff. Um, you know, internally, they have, there's lack, James is going to touch on lack of self-control. Um, definitely their speech, their tongue, the use of their tongue. Uh, they're showing favoritism. And, and, they, and they got this selfish ambition, right? These are the stuff that's happening inside, inside of themselves. Um, so James is going to hit on all this. And he's going, to, he's going to do it very poignantly. And he's going to do it very directly. And he's going to do it, quite honestly, right out of the gate. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches from the beginning. And he doesn't stop for five chapters, Right? You know, instead of emphasizing the works, because we are going to talk about it. He's going to say, this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But instead of emphasizing the works, what he's doing is he's encouraging us to all take a look at our lives this way, to say simply that because you believe because you have faith, your actions will show in this way, right? This is what we do when we're Christians, right? This is, this is, this is how we act, right? When we're, when we're a diver, we jump in the water, right? This, just, this is what it should look like. And... Um, and once you're filled with the Spirit, once, once, once Jesus has you and you have dedicated your life to him, these things needs to be, honestly. These, these are the things that need to happen. We use it as like a litmus test in our lives, right, where we can say, okay, um, how does this look for me, right? Am I doing these things? Am I doing this in trials? Am I treating people this way? Am I... Am I being showing favoritism? Like, 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 what does this look in my life? Right. This is not. This is also not. This is also not a referee handbook. So we get our whistles out and our black and white striped shirts, and we go, "Look at you! Look, James says here, you're supposed to, like this isn't. That's not what it's for, right? We're not. You know, this is for us. This is for us individually." For us to say, that doesn't mean you can, cannot go to your brother or sister and say, hey, this doesn't look right, but like this isn't the whistleblower, right? We're not to be the referees or the judges. But James wants us to read this and apply this to our lives. Like, what does this look in our life? Are we, are we do our actions show? Right? Especially when we're out in the world. Do people look at us and do they know? Do they even question? I don't know. This guy does the same things I do. Like, I, I don't know. It might, maybe he's a Christian. Maybe he's not, right? 
But James is saying, this is what follows once we believe. You know, some commentators that I've read, they call it, they call it the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's short, it's pithy, it's to the point, and it says this, 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 right? And there's a lot of takeaways. And as we go through the book of James, we're going to see, um, as I like to kind of put it, James is a little all over the place because he'll talk about faith here. He'll talk about trials here. He'll talk about favoritism here. We'll go back to faith. We'll go back to trials. But, but, but he has all these points for us that point in one direction. And that is simply that if you are a believer in Christ, your life should be changed. And that doesn't mean changed from the day that you've accepted Christ. That means in that sanctification walk for the rest of your life, that there is change. We don't arrive. We don't get to a point. We don't plateau. Right? We should always see these changes happening. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about, James is going to talk about a couple themes in here. He's going to talk about trials and temptations. He's going to talk about faith and deeds. He'll talk about speech. He'll talk about wisdom. And he'll talk about prayer. You know, he's going to hit on a lot of these points that, once again, are burdening the early church, right? They're trying to figure out how, quite honestly, how it looks. We just came from the law. We've put that behind. What does this look like now? And they're trying to work it all out. And James, being the leader, is trying to help them down that path. So with that, James chapter 1. In verse 1, he writes, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. He comes right out of the gate, hitting hard. He doesn't name drop. He doesn't bloodline drop. He doesn't heritage drop. He doesn't do any of that because all of that is behind him. He's just simply a bondservant. The bondservant, which we've heard about many times, I know from this pulpit with Pastor Matt, is is the word doulos. Is the word doulos. What What this indicates is it's willing servitude. Right? It's not slavery. This is saying that, that, that James has settled in his heart that he's dedicated to his master, that he's dedicated, and the rest of his life belongs to, the, to that which he considers his master, right? And he spells that out for us here, that he's a bondservant. He's a dedicated servant by choice, right? It's very important that that's by choice. A bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like the way he hits hard here because to the Jewish believer, he just put them both together. He put God and Jesus in the same sentence as one. And he uses the 
the word and, and, and it puts them together. And to the Jewish person, that was the, cru- that was the crux of their whole, their whole um, being, right? They didn't want to believe Jesus was the same. He wasn't. But James, right out of the gate, says, hey, guys, they're one. It's the same. And that's who I serve. You know, he then goes on to say, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He's, this is very early writing, right? This is the early, early church. Um, the Hebrews were always considered as the 12 tribes. Um, these are new Christians under a new name. But James is still referring to them as the 12 tribes, as they have been. It's like, it's like when Judas... Um, when Judas betrayed Jesus, right? And even after that, we read in our Bibles, the 12, the 12. They were known as the 12, right? There may have been 11 at one point, but they were known as the 12. So these new Christians, he's writing to them, and he's saying, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And actually, if we go to Acts, if we go to Acts 8, And in verse 1, so Paul, um, Dr. Luke is writing about um, giving us this account where Saul is now persecuting the church. We just, we just left Stephen. He was being martyred. Um, once again, Saul of Tarsus was there to become Paul later on by the personal meeting of Jesus Christ. Um, and Dr. Luke says, um, now Saul, in verse 1 of chapter 8, now Saul was consenting to his death, speaking of Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This is, this is, this is what's happening to the church. Like, this is the great persecution. This is this is the church being split up. And James is the head of that church. So that's who he's writing to. Whenever it says the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, they're being, they're being pushed out. And he, um, he has a love, not only for Jesus, as we see in verse 1, but the love for the people, right, that are now choosing to follow Jesus. And though he hits hard going through these five verses, or I'm sorry, these five chapters, though he hits really hard, he wants us to be better. He wants them to be better. Quite honestly, I think he wants to be better. I mean, he knows where he came from, right? I don't think he ever lost sight of that. In verse 2, we get to the nitty-gritty, right? This is where people that love the book of James, <laughs> um, the rubber meets the road, I like to say. So in verse 2, he says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. We'll pause there for a minute. Count it all joy. That's difficult, right? I know for me it's difficult. I'll just speak for myself. What he's talking about here is to have it settled in your mind that there will be joy. He's not saying let's wait for the trial to come and then sit down to decide whether we're going to choose joy or not. He's saying do it now. Have it already predisposed in your mind. These things that he's talking about. That there will be joy whenever the, at the end of the trial, God wins as long as we stand with him. So he's saying do this. Have it predetermined. Much like, much like love, the Bible tells us to, to love our neighbor. Uh, uh, forgiveness, right? The Bible tells us to forgive. We don't wait for a chance to love to determine that we're going to love. We love. Then whenever the opportunity is present, we're already loving, right? We don't wait for the opportunity to forgive and then choose to decide to forgive. We're forgiving, and we choose to forgive because we were forgiven, right? So we predetermine that. And James is telling us here, predetermine this, that you're going to count a joy. You're going to count a joy if you fall into various trials. My version says when, right? It's coming. It's coming. The trials, the trials are definitely here. If, you know, I've heard it said, I'll probably mess it up, but you're either, you're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or you're ready to go into a trial. <laughs> like, like they happen. They're guaranteed, right? Jesus, Jesus um, told us that there would be tribulation, right? And he told us that they were going to hate us because they hated him. That brings trials, right? Trials can come in. Trials can come in a bunch of different forms, right? Trials can come into. Um, it can come in as 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 work, as from the world, from choices that we make, um, relationships, right? Whatever that looks like. We hear, um, you know, for for maybe the older crowd, we probably were very heartbroken when some of those early boyfriend and girlfriend relationships broke up and it was a trial. But we praise God now, right? Especially if you have a beautiful spouse that, that God has knit you to, right? That trial we had to, we had to fight through because it was the end, right? It was the end. And quite honestly, we live in the United States of America. Um, We have first world problems, right? Our trials are very different than, than a lot of the world. 
right? Our trials are $6 gas, which is a trial. But, it's, but that's like those are our trials, right? We have gas, right? We have water, running water. We, like, we have these things, right? So our trials look very differently. And they, you know what? Trials are personal to, the, to each other, to each individual, right? To whatever that looks like. Um, and that, too, is why James is perfect for us as individuals to, 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 to put our lives through this, right? To put our lives through this grid where we can look at this and say, how does this look for me? Because he tells us, when you fall into one trial, it's not, right? It's various trials. They're going to come when? Unexpectedly. They're lingering around the corner. They're waiting. You know, you don't, you don't go away from, for vacation, expect to come home and have the hot water heater all over the basement, right? We don't, we don't expect that. Otherwise, we get a new hot water heater before we go on vacation, right? It becomes a trial. They come unexpectedly. They become suddenly. Um, some, are, some are our choices that get us there. Um, some is just life. Right, but they come in a variety of different um, forms and a variety of different ways. But they are trials, and they are persecution or not persecutions, but they are personal to whatever that looks like for in, for each of us. Now, in this section of scripture, I have highlighted in my Bible four words. I have highlighted the word count. The word no, the word let, and the word ask, right? Because he's telling us these four things, right? The first thing that we want to do is count. Have it already in our ledger that whenever the trial comes, it's going to be joy. And in verse 3, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith, faith produces patience. Sometimes the best way for us to know that is by going through the trial. So when we go through the next one, we know that he carries us through. And we can hold true to those promises that he'll be there for us. You know, Paul Paul writes at one point that his trials were so much so that, that he didn't want to continue. Now, some of his trials were other folks trying to stop him from continuing. But, but in his own heart and in his own mind, some of those were him where they were just so painful that he didn't want to go on. But he did, right? Because he knew, he knew what was coming at the end of the trial. Now, for some of us, what does the end look like? I... I that's what we try and figure out sometimes, right? That's the part that's beyond us. For some people, it was it was being thrown to lions. Quite honestly, for some, it was it was being tarred and lit on fire to light somebody's garden, right? For like, for some of us, it didn't. It doesn't look good by our perspective, right? When we look at it with our eyes, but when we look at it through God's lens and the bigger picture. It's all for his victory, right? It's all for his glory. 
So we know that the testing of our faith produces patience, right? The old joke, like, don't pray for patience, right? Don't pray for patience because you'll get the trial that'll um, that'll uh, produce the patience, right? But as James tells us, the trials are coming. And to hold on to that joy, right? Actually, you know what? Let's go to Psalm 16. We were at men's breakfast yesterday and somebody brought this up. So I thought it was very apropos to what we were reading today. So once again, from the Word of God, we have, we have promises, right? And he speaks to us. So in Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the path of life. And we'll get to that later in this chapter where he's asking for wisdom. And he's asking for that. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. So in trials... Where do we find our joy? When we commune with him. When we stand with him. When we sit with him. When we're on our knees as James did with him. And as we meet with him, then we know him. And we know these things, right? And we know as we come through the trials once again that he's with us. And it'll be all right. In verse 4, he says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we count. We know. And then we let. Right? We let go and we let God. We let God be God and do what God does. Right, We let the patience do its thing that God has designed it for. It's perfect work, as James says. So that you may be perfect and complete. Now, this side of heaven, we will not be perfect and we will not be complete. I hope we all understand that. This is more, this is more of that sanctification walk, right, where we're maturing and we're coming along and we're looking more Christ-like each and every day. That's what he's talking about. To that perfection, right? The perfection being Christ. Right? But we mature to that. And then we lack nothing. And in five, he says, in verse five, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. We ask. Right? We don't, we don't think. We don't figure it out. We don't try and work it out. We ask God for the wisdom to get through these things. And the glory is the second half of five. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Our Father in heaven loves us so much. So much. That when we come to him again, 
He doesn't say, Steve, again? He says, you came to me for wisdom. Here it is. Here it is, without reproach. And liberally, he, he, he heaps it upon us, right? Now we're going to see here that it comes with a caveat. But if we come to him earnestly, he's ready to give it. He desires it, right? He desires to give it to us. To be wise. You know, we live... It's 2022. We live in an an age where we're inundated with information. And we're so lacking wisdom. We're bombarded with, with... Books, we're bombarded with the internet, we're bombarded with, I don't even know what we're up to now, 8,000 channels on TV or whatever, whatever we're at now, I don't know. Um, But whatever that looks like, right, we're bombarded with all this stuff. We're bombarded with, with 90 radio stations, we're like all this stuff just coming at us constantly. And without godly wisdom. Because we need to seek him in that. And we need to seek what we do with that. I always, I always, I always, I always say to, um, especially to, to my brother's Pastor Bill, he's, a, he's an Apple guy. So I say, you know what? All we have to do is take our iPhone and flip it over. And on the back of that iPhone is a reminder, as far as I'm concerned, from God the apple with a bite out of it, that do not be tempted by this, right? Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. I got one in my pocket, guys, like, like I do, right? But like, but a, a very clear warning. Don't eat from the tree. We, we hold the tree in our hand, right? You, you want the knowledge of man? Here it is. Just put it in the palm of your hand. And then well, we could go on, but then we give it to our kids, right? And, and we can't handle it, and we expect them to handle it. But we have all this knowledge. We have all this inundation, right? We have, we're, we're drowning in knowledge and lacking wisdom. Lacking wisdom. You know, we push college. We push education. And trust me, there's nothing wrong with College and education, not at all, right? A couple years ago, I had surgery on my belly. I thank God that the surgeon went to college, right? And he had an education. Like, I I praise God for that, right? But there's a place for it. It's not to be, it's not a garden hose that we can readily drink from, right? Or a fire hydrant. There's danger in that. But God tells us here, through James, that we, that, that, I like the way he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, but I, I, I challenge, not that I'm changing the word of God, but I think we all lack the wisdom at some point, and we need to seek God for that, and he'll give it to us liberally and without approach. You know, we're looking at, one, just, just one more thing on that, too, I was, I, I heard a thing, um, I heard a thing the other day about how far we are with AI, 
right? This AI thing and how crazy it's come. And, 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 um, you know, eventually, eventually our own, our own knowledge is going to surpass us, right? Because we don't seek wisdom in it. And it's just really crazy. And then, you know, once again, God gives without reproach. He doesn't say, he doesn't condemn us for asking. There are no silly questions. If we don't understand, go to him. In verse 6, though, he enters in the caveat. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, du- he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. You don't, you don't want to be that guy or gal. Right? This isn't... What James is saying here is like, he's saying, hey, don't come to God and say, God, I need help here. I need wisdom. I need, I, I, need, I need your hand to move on my mind. But you might not do it. You don't do it for everybody. Or worse, you haven't done it in four hours. I'm giving up. <laughs> right? Um, you know, it's very sad when we do those timeline things and, and we go to him doubting that he can do it. Or that he will do it, not that he can, but that he that he will. And James calls that person double-minded man and unstable in his ways. Look, we see in our Bibles, right? If we go to if we go to Matthew, if we go to Matthew 14, I believe it's Matthew 14. Yeah, so James is telling us that um, for he who doubts is like the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. And in Matthew 14, in verse, in, in verse uh, well, Jesus is walking on the sea, and the boys are in the boat, and Peter calls out to him and says, um, and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus, Jesus so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And he began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Right? He's there with us when we doubt. But James is warning us, to go into this as confident. Confident that God's going to answer our prayer and confident that God is going to give us the the wisdom to get through this, whatever we need it to be. Peter, Peter didn't doubt when he got out of the boat. Peter stood on the water. Peter didn't doubt as he took his first couple steps. He walked on the water. 
Peter got inside his own head when he looked around and he said, wow, this is scary. Can Jesus really keep me on top of the water? You know, Thomas often gets the bad rap of being doubting Thomas, right? But, um, but Jesus had a personal interaction with him. Right, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that doubt doesn't come. But James is telling us here that if you are saved, and if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, there should be no doubt. And you should come to him without that doubt and ask him in, that, in, in those ways, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage that... Um, you know what, let's go to... Let's go to Hebrews 10. Because I want to encourage everybody too. When we get in these trials, when we get in these trials, as James tells us, that there, there is an end. And when we stand with God, when we seek God, we will come to that end, whatever God has in store for us. And I want to encourage everybody to stay there, right? To stay there because I believe that many people endure for a period and then they get out before the blessing. Stand and stay true. So in Hebrews 10, in verse 35 and 36, It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Be confident, be bold, be sure, right? And it has great reward. For if you have need of endurance, a good question there, right? I know in my life when I'm facing trials, I have need of endurance, And quite frankly, I need help in that because it's very difficult for me to endure in those times. For if you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Right? Hang in there. Hang in there through the trials. Hang in there with God, not on our own understanding, Worship team, if you guys want to come on up. But stay, stay patient, right? Stay patient in that trial. You know, the other thing when, 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 when James is talking about this, it's patience by choice as well. It's, it's, it's almost like you sit down on a weight bench and you pick up that bar, right? You choose to be under that trial, <laughs> right? You choose to be under that trial, but you persevere through it no matter if it hurts sometimes, which for me a lot of times, but um, no matter what that looks like. Like when we choose to stand with him, And we choose to count 
his joy. We choose to know his promises, and we choose to know that he is with us when we are with him. Once again, this is written to the believers. And then we can let we can let go and let God do what God is going to do. And then throughout it all, we can ask him. Ask him for the wisdom and ask him for, ask him for the help for our endurance, right, to get through these things. Because we certainly need it. He doesn't save us and leave us to our own. He's forever with us. He's forever by our side. He's forever... Um, waiting for us to just reach out, just like Peter did, right? To just reach out, and he's there immediately. Immediately in his eyes, right? Not necessarily immediately in ours, but know that he's there and be confident in that.